Growing up in a Protestant tradition, I had really no sense at all of the Catholic teaching on purgatory. I only came to know it as one of those Catholic doctrines that seemed unbiblical, misguided even. Then, as the idea of becoming Catholic started to dawn in my life, I began to wrestle with it, seeking to understand it better from the Catholic point of view. In fact, to my mind, it all boiled down to one particular question. I'll tell you what it was, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, the show that centers around spiritual direction, helping you along the path of faith today with the aid of our spiritual directors. I'm your host, Patrick Conley. The question that the doctrine of purgatory for, or for me was this, how thick is the veil? Particularly, I mean the veil that separates souls in this life from those in the next. As a Protestant, it was assumed to be very thick, even completely opaque. But was that really the case? As I continued my reading and study, thinking and praying about it, and especially as I came to understand the ecclesial unity between the church triumphant, the church militant, and the church penitent, I became convinced that our Lord would indeed desire that we understand, because of his throwing wide open the gates of heaven, and because we are now not cut off from him who sits at the right hand of the Father, that the veil between us and our brothers and sisters, Christian believers of all ages, is thin indeed. Well, this realization meant that there are ways of living out this newfound relationship with all those who have gone before, to befriend and seek the help and intercession of those who now enjoy the face-to-face company of God in heaven, whom we especially honored yesterday on All Saints Day, and to assist with my own prayers, those who are yet undergoing their purification prior to heaven, whom we especially turn our attention to today on the commemoration of all the faithful departed. All Souls Day is our topic today on the show, and we welcome as our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo. Father Ramil serves the Archdiocese of Chicago in a variety of ways, including as a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal, as director of liturgy and the Cardinal's Delegate for St. James Chapel, both at the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center, and as the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Good morning. Thank you for the invitation back. Yeah, well, I'm excited to speak today to you about uh, what we're about all day today around the world. The Church is turning its attention to the faithful departed on All Souls Day. Why don't you kick us off, Father, with just a little insight into what All Souls Day means. All Souls Day is the third part of the triduum of, of the departed, which starts with All Hallows' Eve, what we call Halloween, on October 31st. All Saints Day on November 1st when we celebrate all the holy men and women who have persevered in faith and now enjoy the vision of God and for many, most of whom we won't even know their names until it will be revealed to us, their faithfulness throughout their lives being very anonymous except to God alone. And today we celebrate all those who have died and who, for whom we pray for as they wait in joyful hope for the for the revelation of our God's uh, very presence, so mm-hmm. we, we would call as you called it the church penitent, and the old term was the church suffering. Those mm-hmm. who are uh, deprived of the face of God as they wait 
for that revelation of God himself to us, to the faithful departed. So it's a day definitely set aside to remember those who have died, especially those who have no one to pray for them, and to uh, increase our prayers so that they might be expedited sooner to their beloved embrace of, uh, of God. Well, let's talk a little bit about what I, what I opened the show with, this question of the veil between this world and the next. And specifically, I mean, why would the church understand that, uh, that we are able to commune in some sense, in some way, with those who have gone before, be they the saints in heaven or the souls who are awaiting heaven in purgatory? This is a, this is a difficult topic in general um, for, the, for human beings, um, and I think for us Americans in particular, because death is so, uh, is so definitive. I think yeah. as an American society, we're just not used to it as, say, in other countries, which probably have it in their faces a lot more, with more regularity, right? I think we as Americans are very technologically, scientifically, medically um, so advanced that we stave off even discomfort, like, oh, I've got a headache, take a pill, right? So when death becomes the reality, and it is a reality, we're not prepared to answer it. So what is this veil? Well, for those who live in the constant presence of God, in other words, we have an ongoing conversation at all times in our hearts for sure, occasionally in our minds as we're going through our busy day, and then during the formal times, such as sit-down kneeling prayer, the liturgy, it becomes a little more obvious that the soul's longing is to return to its maker, right? Mm -hmm. That's why this conversation called prayer, whether formal or informal, like mental prayer conversation, is so heartfelt. The soul, you and I, really desire to see God. So actually, Patrick, it's, it's actually not that thick of a veil. Already right. in our hearts and in our minds, we desire an other who we know as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is God who we desire. It's just mm -hmm. with our eyes of scientific faith, we don't see it with the eyes of true faith, who is God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, in a way, we kind of do that to ourselves. Yeah, I think uh, intuitively, and granted, this might not be you know an exhaustive argument for the uh, the doctrines of heaven and purgatory and that sort of Absolutely. thing. But yeah. intuitively, it just is like uh, it's it seems like it comes to a lot of human beings that when they have a loved one pass away, that they they strike up conversations with them. I mean, I I know I found when my dear late mother, may she rest in peace, passed away, that I found myself not just talking about her and not just praying to God you know, on her behalf, which, of course, I did much of both of those things. But I spent some time just talking to her. I, I mm -hmm. you know, reached out just intuitively from my heart. Absolutely. And as a priest, I say masses regularly. My, my always intention is for, number one, for our family members, first of all, for my own father, for my grandparents, all our deceased relatives, those who I actually knew and lived with, had inter had real human interaction for those relatives who I never met, like some of my grandparents and some of my great aunts and uncles, and even further back through the family lineage, all those who I never knew, but I know I carry their name and DNA. 
So that's always my first intention. It's always every Mass for all those of my family, especially my dad and, and all our immediate relatives. And then even further back to say, and all those who have no one to pray for them. Mm. Because there are plenty of people who have now been forgotten. And just by, by I guess, by time and, and chronology, people are forgotten. And that's why the Church insists that this day must be a special day to call to mind all those who need our prayers. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, something that we definitely want to do today. Let's talk about, actually, what the Church asks of us specifically on this day. Because, as you said, Father, I mean, it is it is not an, uh, not an uncommon thing for faithful Catholics to carry the carry the souls of the faithful departed around with them to to pray for them to you know offer them up as other mass intentions outside of today so what does the church ask of us particularly that makes all souls day special in terms of uh, focusing in on the souls of the faithful departed one one thing that i should point out is that you were talking about this veil in actuality our church's liturgy especially in the funeral liturgies always talk about that sense of they're very, still very present uh, because we can pray with and for them. They are witnesses in and of itself of the goodness of God. So when we pray, we are actually having an, a, a, a very special effect on them because they can't pray for themselves, right? They, the souls are waiting for that final embrace so in and of itself, they require us, and they need us to remember them. Their time is that they're in their waiting period. So what do we do? We can do many things. First and foremost, the church today permits the priest, permits the priest to say three masses. Yeah. If it's possible, a priest is allowed three masses. Our faithful should at least go to one, since one mass is of infinite value, an infinite uh infinite merit because of Jesus Christ. So if a priest can do three, a person can go to at least one and make it very effective for the for the souls of the faithful departed. We can also offer up our prayers like our rosary. If we do the daily rosary, well, can you add an extra rosary for the day? You know, one more. Can you do one more? Little sacrifices such as fasting and abstaining and offer that mortification, the, the toughening up of our own flesh uh, for, the, for the souls in purgatory. The whole idea of indulgences comes up, that the church has wonderful, wonderful meritorious practices, spiritual practices, which we can offer for the souls in purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Our spiritual director today, Father Ramil Fajardo, is talking is talking to us today and leading our discussion on All Souls Day. Who are the souls you're praying for today, and how does the Church's liturgy, maybe you've attended Mass already or intend to attend Mass, how does it how does it offer comfort, or how does it help you grieve? Maybe you have a question about All Souls or about particularly the souls of the faithful departed and how your prayers can help. Give us a call. Join the conversation on our toll-free studio line, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888-914-9149. Or send us an email if you prefer. Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. So maybe we can dive a little bit farther into this whole idea you mentioned, indulgences, or what What are our prayers, what are these indulgences actually accomplishing on behalf of the souls of those who have gone before us? Okay. First of all, we have to define what are indulgences. 
And the easiest way to do it was just a, a kind of like a pastoral, pastoral uh, definition by way of example. Uh, in the old days, very, very old days of the church, um, when people went to confession, they would receive a particularly tough penance. For example, um, I remember reading in seminary that one of the penances would be, okay, you did, you did this, you sinned this way, so therefore you will not enter the church building proper until you have passed 300 days outside the front door begging for prayers. Wow. And then you will be allowed back in. Okay? Mm. Or yes. another penance would be, you hereby are given penance to go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And then when you come back, you, you are lifted of the censure. Okay. Wow. Now, if you think about that, 300 days sitting outside the door begging for prayers from the people going to Mass, um, 300 days. Going on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, you're not quite sure if you're going to come back alive. Right. right? So the idea was, uh, I believe it was the Irish monks who put together manuals that would talk about what would be an appropriate penance for the sin committed. And what we got and there are some of our listeners who might still remember it, even to this day. There are prayer books and prayers that say, if you say this prayer, a 300-day indulgence is granted under the usual conditions. Huh. Okay? So up until the 1960s, uh, 1969, I believe it was, we would calculate it by way of the number of days of the penance that needed to be done. And those were remitted by the saying of a prayer or an action, such as take a day to fast and abstain, and then you will receive the indulgence granted to you for this, for this act. Okay? So, an indulgence is a remission of the temporal sin that has already been forgiven in confession, but still needs to be paid for. All right? So instead of sitting 300 days outside of the church begging for prayers, say, one Hail Holy Queen devoutly in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and therefore 300 days indulgence. Okay, 1969, the church said, you know what? Days are almost kind of meaningless at this point. It's either partial or plenary. You will never, ever lose out on gaining a, plenary, uh, a partial indulgence because every prayer, every action can be imbued with a desire to offer, uh, to offer reparation, to offer to be penitent, and to gain those merits, and even if they don't know, if even if they no longer apply to you personally, God knows how much you've already paid off. Well, then it can be directed. That's where we can direct our prayers and actions of penance, reparation, mortification for the souls in purgatory. God alone knows whether we fulfilled our requirements, mm -hmm. right? So that's the beauty of indulgences, because it not only gives us an incentive to pray. Actually, we're doing it for others as well. So there's still a social component to this. The souls will be thankful because even if we're completely wiped free of all sin, and that's always possible, believe it or not, any merits that we might have are going to then be directed to those souls. Mm. Nice, nice practice. People have said, you know what? Anything that satisfies the things that I owe God, direct it, Blessed Virgin Mary, to those who need it most. So yeah. we give those merits to Our Lady, say, okay, these people need it. They've been waiting a while. Let them embrace our Lord here. Patrick has earned, the, has gained these indulgences, and therefore you are now free to be embraced by the Father, to go embrace him. What a wonderful doctrine. Yeah. What a yeah, wonderful doctrine, good. actually.
Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned, Father, the temporal effects of sin, a sin that's already been forgiven in confession, thanks sacramental to our con- Lord, oh. yeah, sacramental mm-hmm. confession, it's, uh, that uh, our Lord has has gained the victory for us over sin, but through his, uh, obviously, through his suffering death. Yes, right. absolutely. But what are what are these temporal effects of sin? What I mean, what does that mean, Father? Well, you know, temporally, we are still wounded. Mm-hmm. Because of original sin, even though wiped clean at baptism, we're still living in time. So the potential is that we are going to stumble once again. And therefore, we need the sacraments. Otherwise, what's the point of our Lord's death on the cross? He gave us the means by which we can, in this world, struggle and still receive forgiveness. And not not to be afraid, but rather to be strengthened to say, stand up, get up. Get up. Your sins have been forgiven. We see the reference to Scripture there, right? Mm-hmm. Stand up. Stand up straight. Your sins have been forgiven. Right? And so right. it gives us the courage to continue the struggle. And not, not in a fear, not in, not in any sort of hesitation, but joyfully, because we know we can be forgiven. All our Lord asks is, as he said, go, sin no more. Now, that is the sort of thing that we have to remind ourselves we must definitely mean what we say in the act of contrition. I firmly resolve, with the help of your grace, to sin no more, to amend my life, and to avoid those near occasions of sin. There is effort involved. So that's why those temporal effects, we got to struggle. Mm, I see. Okay, very good. Well, again, our spiritual director today, Father Ramil Fajardo, as we're talking about All Souls Day, and we are, again, diving into the deep of what it actually means and how it put, how it's put together and why it's such a gift to the faithful to the faithful, and in honor of the faithful departed and helping out, helping out our brothers and sisters as well. If you have questions about All Souls Day, if you have observations, maybe this has been a particularly powerful day in your own spiritual life, give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149, or send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break, but we'll be back with more of the conversation on All Souls Day with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, right after this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley. We're talking about All Souls Day today. And just remember, as you just heard, don't forget to go to relevantradio.com slash souls and join in our, our Relevant Radio Holy Souls Novena, which is starting today, November 2nd, running through November 10th. And you can also submit the names of up to 20 of your loved ones so we can lift them up in prayer together at the Daily Mass, at the Livestream Divine Mercy Chaplet, and the Family Rosary Across America. So check it out at relevantradio.com slash souls. Our spiritual director is Father Ramil Fajardo, and we again, we are talking about All Souls Day particularly. Let's go to the phones, Father. We've got Bonita calling in from Berkeley, California. Good morning, Bonita. Thanks for calling in. 
what do you think is the appropriate way to celebrate the Dios de los Muertos? Okay, Dia de los, Dia de los Muertos is a uniquely Mexican expression. I myself am not Mexican, so I'm going to I'm going to try to explain what I do know. It is obviously related to All Souls Day, very obviously. It is a beautiful thing to remember, especially our families and our friends and those who have no one to pray for them. So Dia de los Muertos is obviously, the connection is very strong. Now, I think it's also an expression of Mexican culture, in particular Mexican. Um, as a Filipino myself, we have something similar. Both Mexico and the Philippines, for example, if possible, go to the graveside and make visits. At home, we would, my family would have like a small little display of photographs and mementos, religious articles, candles, prayers that we would place in the corner as a remembrance. Dia de los Muertos in the um, Mexican context is much more elaborate. There's a, there's a definite cultural element there that celebrates the Mexican devotional life, which for some people, it's like, well, it's kind of exuberant. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of um, different, and obviously so. So, keeping all that in, in sight and remembering that this is a cultural expression, the obvious thing that first takes place is pray to God. Our prayers are the most important. And as far as the cultural expression, those nuances, we celebrate them in a very healthy way. We celebrate them as family. It's a time also to remember the living. And Patrick, as you would probably understand from our early talk, it is a connection. We focus this day on praying for those who have died. So therefore, we can have a wonderful meal, which we share with others, especially a good time to invite those who maybe we don't know very well or those who don't have enough to eat. Instead of making it a big party, make it a wonderful act of communion in a, in a community sense. You know, invite others, remember those who have died, pray for them, and then also this keeps us focused on God himself. Mm-hmm. I, think that's a, I think that's a fair, a fair assessment of a great way to keep God at the center of our, of our uh, focus on here on All Souls Day and uh, Dia de los Muertos as well. So thank you, Bonita, for the phone call. I appreciate you calling in and asking this important question. Let's go now to Elizabeth calling in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Thanks for calling in. Uh, hello. Yeah, thank you. Um, when I was young in the early 60s and grade, Catholic grade school, we used to go in the church and say uh, certain prayers. I'll, I don't remember what they are. If it's in Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be. And we were told that each time we went into the church and then out again, we could get a soul that we prayed for out of purgatory. So we as young children would go in, say the prayers and for that intention, leave, then go in again at our playground time. Uh-huh. Is this something that... Is this just something that the older kids made up, or have you heard this, or do you know anything about it? Oh, absolutely. That is that is not made up. In fact, that is the basis, the foundation for what we would call indulgences, either plenary or partial. So the nuns would be teaching us how to do these things, these little acts of, um, of charity for the faithful departed. Now, there were certain things that were not explicitly mentioned because that would be for older kids such as you know you have to be in a state of grace you have to be as detached as possible from sin even venial sin 
You need to go to confession. Obviously, you already did that. And go to communion and pray for the Pope. These are all, for the plenary indulgence, these are the general rules. However, however, they did the right thing by bringing you into the church and say, if you say these prayers and you, you ask God to free a soul of a of, of soul of the faithful departed to go home to God, the prayers of children are so powerful. And that the innocence of children and that trust, that fundamental trust is something that we as adults have lost. Mm. Right? So I, I'll, what I'll say is you did the right thing. That is absolutely correct. There are some adult points that have to be taken into, but that's what we as adults are supposed to learn about. But children, absolutely, God, you know, what did our Lord say in the Gospel of Mark? Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, because it is just such to these that the kingdom of God belongs. So without, you know, without making this kind of authoritative, I'm going to I'm going to think your prayers were very effective. Hmm. Yeah, very good. The kids. Yeah. Appreciate it, Elizabeth. Thank you. Good, good point and good, good uh, question surrounding that. And Father, thank you for your response as well. Let's go down to Patrick calling in from Oakland, California. Good morning, Patrick. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> personally, um, I try to attend daily mass and uh, I pray for the souls in purgatory. I think it's a, a beautiful act to do because while we're here, we could help them, the helpless. And I, I take a lot of comfort in that. And my sister-in-law challenged me uh, this week. She's a Christian, and she says, and it's, if it's not in the Bible, where in the Bible? Show me the Bible verse that says that there's purgatory. And I didn't have a comeback for her. I was wondering if you could help me out there. Oh, well, you know, there are a lot of things that per se are not in the Bible, um, the word Trinity, for example, but the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, go out into the world baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We don't check our intellects at the door. Bottom line, we're called to think. In fact, you know, I think, Patrick, did we discuss it one time? But the school system, the university system is a Catholic development yeah. because education is a search for the truth, capital T. We don't send kids to school to be electricians, architects, doctors, and nurses. We send them to be searching for the truth. And whether one is an architect or one's an engineer or one's a doctor or a nurse, the point is the truth is that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that people might have everlasting life, not condemnation. That's the truth. Okay, so sorry about that. <laughs> Going into your question, Patrick, where is it in the scriptures? Okay, several places have references to it. Um, the most common one would be the second book of Maccabees. I think it's chapter around chapter 12, uh, where they offer prayers for the dead. Judas Maccabeus offers prayers for the dead. And I know that some non-Catholic Bibles exclude Maccabees, but the point is, it's there. It's in the book of Maccabees, second book, where Judas Maccabeus offers prayers for those who have died. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he asks that his lips, uh, that the uh, that the coal be touched to his lips and guilt taken away. So there's a principle that guilt can be taken away and sin forgiven by a burning charcoal, right? And then I think it's also in the book of uh, Prophet Zechariah where he says, "They there are they are my people and the Lord is my God." Um, 
and I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. We see that repeated through the sacred liturgy that God allows this purification and that his people can indeed be purified. And so we also understand that heaven is not a place for anything unworthy of God. So anyone who beholds the face of the Father has to be absolutely brought back to that fundamental foundational level of purity from which they came from in God. And therefore, purgatory as a doctrine is not unreasonable. It is, it's just because it's, the word's not in there, as we define it as purgatory, there's a doctrine. Remember, the sacred scripture is not uh, a manual of rules and regulations. It's a story of an encounter and an experience. So therefore, our minds searches for the truth. And the Catholic perspective is like, if you have a nuance, you will find it in there. Because again, we're called to investigate and search for the truth. Who is God? God is love. And to allow us, through no fault of our own, if, we are, if we're just poor souls, we have to be given a chance. And God came into this world to make sure that we had that chance. He took it upon himself. That's why he died on the cross. That's why Catholics have crucifixes to remind us he took upon himself all that so that we, in our own weak, weak way, can find him and with our freedom cooperate in salvation. Good question, Patrick, and one that uh, comes up frequently, I think, from our Protestant brothers and sisters about where does it come from, where does it talk about purgatory in the Bible, and so hopefully, hopefully that was very helpful. I know another one that uh, pops into mind for me, I mean, there's just, as you said, Father, just so many so many references to our Lord as a refiner's fire, both Old Testament and New. Um, you find right. it in, for instance, 1 Corinthians 3, where St. Paul says it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each Excellent, one has right. done. Yeah, right. so, I mean, there's just so many. Um, if you look for a refiner's fire or a, a fire, uh, a, a purifying fire, you find that uh, certainly throughout the Scriptures as well. And actually, also, maybe just—yeah, go ahead, Father. Yeah, I please. was going to say that Patrick might be might invest also in a good— catechetical Bible. There are mm. wonderful Bibles out there which talk about where in the Bible is it found. And they can give a mini course in, 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 uh, in things like purgatory. It's, these are all very common. They're all very common, such as the virgin birth and, you know, what's this immaculate conception? Wonderful uh, Bibles out there that have been attempting to bring these basics to people um, in order to use the scripture the way it's intended as an encounter and an ex, uh, an ex, uh, a search for truth. Right, right. Very good. Yeah, thank you, Father. I appreciate that. And thank you, Patrick, for the phone call. We're talking about All Souls Day today, which, of course, entails conversation about purgatory, which we've been talking about, about indulgences as well. And I guess to ask another question about the in- indulgences, do you want to say something about, um, we talked about visiting a church, visiting a cemetery as well on today, Father? Yes. If possible, to go visit a cemetery to pray for the dead. And um, it's it, again, we should try to make that as, uh, as a nice reminder, not to just pray for our, uh, for our family members, but to pray really for all those who have died in that cemetery. Sometimes, uh, one time I was visiting my dad's grave with my mom, and nearby we were just kind of looking at the various names. And there were some where the grass was starting to grow over 
the headstones because they, mm. they lie in the ground, right? And, right. I thought, and I thought, well, my mom and I and my sister went to clear away the overgrowth uh, uh, around the headstone. And there's also an act of charity right there, not only for my dad's grave, but for the neighbors nearby. Obviously, those who may have, you know, they, they may have, all the family may have moved away, or the family may have died out because they were the last of their family line or whatever. Lots of different reasons. But there's also an act of charity. So clearing out somebody's, you know, the, the, the weeds around the headstone, there also is an act of charity that can gain an indulgence. Visiting a cemetery yeah. and doing an act of charity for that family. A, a nice reminder to the family that they weren't, that family member was not forgotten. Yeah, yeah, indeed. You know, and on my way back from from Mass this morning, uh, there just happens to be the cemetery where my wife's grandparents are buried on the way back, and I so I made a little stop in there as well. And it really struck me, Father, um, I, I, I don't know if it was for the first time, but it was certainly um, for a, a, in a very potent way that, you know, these things that uh, the Lord asks of us or the Lord grants us the opportunity to the, through Holy Mother Church about these indulgences and these uh, possibilities of of praying in in certain places it's it's really a gift to us as well as it and one one of the things i just found that it did for me today is it really just made me more aware of my own mortality you know mm-hmm. which can never be a bad thing right no no not at all and you know another thing that you could do is every time you pass by a cemetery Make the sign of the cross and just do the traditional responsory, requiem eternum, dona eis domine, you know, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. Make the sign of the cross. That was very, that is a very traditional Catholic practice. Make yeah. the sign of the cross when you pass a, a cemetery. If you see an ambulance pass by, make the sign of the cross. You pass by the church, um, no, a Catholic church, knowing that our Lord resides there in the tabernacle, make the sign of the cross. And all all those actions could be as normal as the breathing of your heart that all of our listeners are taking right now. You're not even paying attention to the breath you're taking. If these are integrated, think of all the indulgences and prayers that are helping. And if we give them to the hands of the Blessed Virgin to distribute to those who need it the most, again, the great act of charity, mm, you know, yeah. spiritual indeed. work of mercy. Yeah, indeed, very much so. And, well, we are talking about All Souls Day and the way that we can be compassionate towards those who have gone before us, particularly the faithful departed and those that we know and love and have cared about and continue to care about, how we can continue to support them uh, as we are praying for the souls of the faithful departed here on All Souls Day. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo. If you have questions about purgatory, about indulgences, about uh, praying for the faithful departed, if you have ways in which the church's liturgy or practice that you have incorporated into your spiritual life for All Souls Day, give us a call, join the conversation. Our number is 888-914-9149, again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Got more to talk about when it comes to All Souls Day, which we will do right after this short break. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest.
think I could just listen to this for the remainder of the program, and that would be uh, really heartening for me and my faith, I hope, for yours and yours as well. We are back on The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, for to Thomas Engeser, who is taking your phone calls. And just a quick reminder about our Holy Souls Novena as it starts today. Go to relevantradio.com slash souls to receive reflections from Father Rocky each day of the Novena to help you enter more deeply into prayer for the souls of your faithful loved ones. And uh, you can enter those names, up to 20 of them, there to be prayed for at our daily Mass, our live stream Divine Mercy Chaplet, and the Family Rosary Across America. Just go to relevantradio.com slash souls. Our spiritual director today is Father Ramil Fajardo, as we're talking about All Souls Day, and particularly so many of the things that, so many benefits that it has for us, as well as for the souls of the faithful departed. Father, I want to get back to something that you brought up early on in the hour, which is kind of our sanitization from death that we have, particularly in our nation. Um, and that that's something that I think it maybe does us a bit of a disservice. I was thinking again about my visit to the cemetery this morning and a reminder of my own mortality. So I, I guess well, the question that I'm asking is how can remembering death, and particularly our death, our impending death, how can that frame up for us the importance of our Catholic faith? As I said, you know, it's we're uncomfortable with the concept. We're uncomfortable with the concept of pain and sickness that somehow in our society, Americans are successful. We are, you know, we are, we've got options. We've got a whole future ahead of us. But... I'll just say it from my perspective and in my preaching, trying to keep in mind not everyone is at a level that could understand. I always say to myself that I, I, I've started getting older. And when I was in my teens, I used to be nice and thin. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, uh, and then I, could, I couldn't do anything about how short I was. But on the other hand, I got comfortable with that. And then, I, and then when I started you know, going to work through college into into um, adulthood, I had a good job. I could. I was still pretty thin. And then, as you get older, you notice you're losing hair. You know, there's a, a bit of a stomach there, and you don't care as much about how you look. Although perhaps some of us should, right? So we we get comfortable. We just get too comfortable in that temporal, that chronological experience of life so we're busy with work we're busy with family we're busy with school but the reality is we're changing all right so as a priest one of the things that we were always given training in in seminary was to help all those who come to us ours is not a nine-to-five job if any of our brother priests are listening uh, they would uh, they would resonate with this we can't Take a day off. We're in the sense of we're always a priest. Mm-hmm. You and I are human. You know, we are getting older. We are changing. So, the one thing that is missing, and I think is suggestive of an existential anxiety, is the idea of death. Okay. So, a kind mm-hmm. of long-winded, long-winded way of trying to get to the answer here. I personally have thought about it a lot. Not in a morbid way. I mean, that's that's not what a Christian does. If we are accepting of the fact that we are changing, because we are in time, the only one who is not of time because he is 
time itself is our Lord, is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are eternity. So consequently, if we keep that lively relationship, isn't that, to me, where we get the expression young at heart? Why? Hmm. Because as St. John Henry Newman's Episcopal Cardinalatial motto was, cor ad cor loquitur, heart speaks to heart. Right? So yeah. having a love of our Lord's most sacred heart, which is the access to the divinity, I think, and I have been trying to live this, that we always have a reason for our hope. Okay? Now, going back to Scripture, we have St. Paul writing in the Ephesians that his listeners, before encountering Christ, they didn't have hope. And they didn't have God in the world. This is where any of our listeners who would be interested should really take a look at Pope Benedict XVI's wonderful encyclical. I'm using only Benedict, to be quite honest, because he's fairly recent. Um, his encyclical, Space Salvi. Mm -hmm. And in paragraph number two, in particular, he says that notwithstanding their, the ancient people's ideas of God, small g, they still found themselves, quoting now, they found themselves in a dark world facing a dark future. Right? They did not connect with time and eternity. Who is God? So, continuing. Um, in this phrase, we see in no uncertain terms the point Paul was making. In the same vein, he says to the Thessalonians this time, you must not grieve as others do who have no hope. First Thessalonians 4.13. So, Here's the money quote. I have been really thinking about this, praying about this a lot. Quote, Here too we see as a distinguishing mark of Christians the fact that they have a future. It is not that they know the details of what awaits them, but they know in general terms that their life will not end in emptiness. Mm -hmm. Only when the future is certain as a positive reality does it become possible to live in the present as well. So now we can say Christianity was not only Good news, the communication of a hitherto unknown content. In our language, we would say the Christian message was not only informative, but performative. That means the gospel is not merely a communication of things that can be known. It is one that makes things happen and is life-changing. The dark door of time of the future has been thrown open. The one who has hope lives differently. The one who hopes has been granted the gift of a new life, end quote. Yeah. So, Patrick, dear, dear listeners, you see how systematic and how logical our Catholic faith is, right? The ancient world lived in time. They died in time because they didn't have an entry into eternity. God gave that to us by the revelation through Jesus Christ. So therefore, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, with God the Son, entered time. They they dared to limit themselves to be with us through Jesus Christ. So the one who has hope knows this life is not an ending. Mm -hmm. We're just in time, but we have access to eternity itself. Yeah. Our hope may be full of immortality, just as a reading from Wisdom said today at Mass. Amen. It's, it's yeah. a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful gift, and it does provide, hope provides such a, such a perspective on this world and on our, and the importance of our faith. So many great things to cultivate, on, especially uh, every day, but especially today, the commemoration of all the faithful departed, All Souls Day. 
Let's go back to the phones. Rosetta calling in from New Mexico. Rosetta, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question. Um, it's a pretty tough question, I guess. I want to know, like, if you have loved ones who died by suicide, do our prayers help them in any way? Or are they, like, condemned for all eternity, as it says? But even thinking of them still and praying for them, do we help them in any way? You know, of all the people who deserve our prayers, they are the ones, in a very special way, because we were not privy to what was in their head. We don't know what happened. And that is precisely where God encounters them and where they encounter God. So yes, keep praying. Absolutely keep praying. There is absolutely no reason why we would ever stop praying for our loved ones. Right? We must, that's the imperative. We must pray for all these souls who have no one to pray for them, all, all those souls who are troubled and now encounter God as he wishes them to see him right? We must pray for those souls. Prayer is always helpful. It never hurts. And, and like I said earlier, if the, if the situation and issue has been resolved in God, then Our Lady will say, can I redirect these prayers to someone else who needs it? Never wasted. Keep praying. Rosetta, what a wonderful question. Thank you so much for asking it, as it's, I'm sure, on the hearts and minds of many uh, throughout their lives, but again, particularly today on All Souls Day, if we have a loved one who has taken their own life and that our prayers continue to be demanded on, at those times um, and throughout the day, again today, and throughout uh, the year as well. So thank you so much for the call. Our spiritual director is Father Emil Fajardo. We're talking about All Souls Day and talking a lot about um, the the life that is to come, the immortality of our souls and uh, what's coming up that way. Father, just a question to um, one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm just wondering your own perspective on it as, as you uh, conduct funerals, as you celebrate the funeral mass for people. I think there's oftentimes a temptation to kind of put out there that, uh, you know, I guess to to kind of shroud the whole reality of purgatory, um, but it seems to me like there in the funeral liturgy, that is when we should most be drawing attention to the fact that this the soul who has now departed from this world needs our prayers. Correct. Yeah. the The liturgy, the liturgical texts say that all the time. Sure, we have hope. We we also know that God is a merciful and loving God. He does not wish condemnation, but the funeral liturgy is not the time to drop our guard. Mm-hmm. If anything, again, the greatest act of charity is to commend the soul back to their creator. Right? That is not the time to drop our guard. It is not a frivolous time. I know that, and I know it's kind of, it's it's tender territory. I'm trying to be careful and respectful at all times, but it's not a trivial matter. Now is not the, that's not the moment to kind of, you know, try to move it along. This is uncomfortable. Move it along. Tell a funny story. No, respectfully, respectfully. And what's wrong, you know, Patrick, what's wrong with us saying, yeah, I'm going to cry. Yes, this is very sad. Yes, this is so terrible. Uh, I'm really having a hard time with this. What's wrong with saying that? Why must the tendency to be, let's move this along, let's get life going again. That's not fair either to the faithful departed. That's not how we treat a memory. Yeah. 
That's an excellent point too, and uh, that's I, well. I can certainly say that at my funeral, when it comes, I certainly want people to be focused on praying for me. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the things you can do for me, please. Yeah. Um, and so, All yeah, it, it, not right. Yeah, not sugarcoating it, but uh, just saying, hey, um, let's let's do what we need to do in order to help out the our, our brother, our sister, whoever it is that has passed away. Um, and that we can pray for them. And I think one of the other things, too, uh, that bears talking about just in our last couple minutes here, Father, is um, offering masses for the souls of the faithful departed. I know that's a regular in parishes around the world that uh, mass intentions can be offered for the souls of the departed. What's going on there, and how is how is the mass, the prayer of the mass, the liturgy of the mass, the offering of the mass, how is that efficacious for the souls of the faithful departed? The church in the Second Vatican Council said the, the, the liturgy is a source and summit of the Christian life and that the, bless, the, the Eucharist, as J- Pope St. John Paul said, this is the very pinnacle because it is Christ himself who bridges heaven, eternity, and the earth. And that is Christ's action on Calvary, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So it is Christ himself who is pleading and purifying the souls whom we offer that Mass. So it is the highest form of worship and prayer because God himself is making that uh, that reparation Christ on the cross Christ who is having this person being lifted up to eternity mm-hmm. powerful powerful and again if people understand it they knew the sacred liturgy they if they saw the mass they couldn't leave it they couldn't leave because it is Christ who is taking that soul who we have commended and God himself is doing the reparation. God himself is doing the healing and the purifying. It's the highest form of honor a soul can have, Christ himself doing that. Hmm. What a gift it is, and a great reminder of that gift here today, particularly on All Souls Day as we're talking about the uh, the faithful departed and as we continue to uphold them in our prayers, in our works of penance. And uh, that someday we shall be there ourselves, right? So, um, so hopefully we will have the same courtesy afforded us by our brothers and sisters who come after us. Father, it's been a great conversation. Thank you for joining us. May we have a blessing from you, please? Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, may we be guided to his most sacred heart for all eternity. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you need to uh, listen again, or if you'd like to share this episode with any of your friends who need to hear it, go over to relevantradio.com slash innerlife. Make sure to check out relevantradio.com slash souls for the novena for the for the souls of the faithful departed, which begins today. Join with your Relevant Radio family in praying that and pray for the names of, or enter the names of up to 20 of your departed loved ones, and we'll pray for them. Tomorrow, welcoming the stranger with Father Sam Martin. Until then grace and peace.